0: Hello, thank you for joining the Camden First Assembly broadcast. We are so excited to share the Word of God with you today, believing that this Word is exactly what He has for your life. So, stay tuned for today's message, and as always, remember, there's a place for you at Camden First Assembly. Just living in the new, living in the new, and uh, it might sound like a strange title, but um, I want to share with you this just this revelation that I got uh, from the Lord for us today today. And uh, as we're doing that, how many of you are thankful and how many of you love new things? Amen. New car, new house, new couch, new bed, new clothes, new shoes. Yeah, bed. I saw a lot of people. Jesus, thank you. It's amazing the older you get the things that you're thankful for, right? A new bed. (laughs) Hallelujah. It's a blessing. It's a miracle. <laughs> It'll change your life. Uh, you know, it's amazing the things. We love new things. Some, some of us, we love new things so much that we buy new things when we don't need them. Some of y'all are try, trying real hard not to look at the person that's sitting next to you this morning. I ain't going to look at you. I ain't going to look at you. I'm going to pretend like I am just lock eyes, lock eyes up front, lock eyes up front. You know, we like to buy things. We like to, we like to buy new things. And sometimes it's not even that we need it. We just like new things. You know, and then you get home and you find out you already have that shirt, or you already had that picture, or you already had that movie, or you already had that book. You said you were going to read it, but you forgot because you bought it the new one, the old new one six months ago, and you got the new new one, and so now you've got to figure out who you're going to give it to for Christmas because you don't want to keep it. And uh, we love new things, and and I think the the thing is, is we when we think about it, a lot of times we go, well, I don't have to have new. I don't always have to have new things. But even if we know we don't have to have new things, even if we don't always try to get new things, we love new things. How many of you are excited about this new season, fall, that we're living in? Amen? The old nasty summer hot humid heat is quickly dissipating. It'll be back. It's not over. It'll be back. For all those that are are disappointed about the summer months, it's, it's, it's Arkansas. It'll be back. But I'm excited for the new season. I'm excited for that. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, I shared this in the, in the letter that I sent out in our third quarter giving report, just the word that the Lord had given me. But in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse number 1, there's a time and a season for every activity under heaven, is what the writer puts, and the Lord reminds us. There's a time and a season for everything in our lives. There's a time and a season for every part of our lives. And I love the, the natural season changes that we go through. Because it reminds us that in our life, not just in the physical, but even in the spiritual realms, there are seasons that we have in our life. And there is a new season that God is leading us in as a church, that God is leading us in as a people that He wants to, uh, that he wants to unveil in our lives, that He wants to share with us. So this morning I want us to go uh, to Galatians chapter 6. And I just want to highlight what Paul was talking about in these last few verses as we finish up the book of Galatians. Here's what it says in verse number 11. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. How many of you have used large letters to communicate something to someone in your life? Parents to their children, you use large words when you're trying to stress, I told you 15 times, amen? Paul is in the same place with the Galatian church. He is stressed and he is stressed and he is stressed and he is stressed and so he's emphasizing the the importance of what it is that he's trying to get across in this message see what large letters i use as i write to you with my own hand those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised the only reason they want the only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of christ not even those who are circumcised keep the law Yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. If you don't have verse number 15 underlined or highlighted, underline it or highlight it. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, to the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. Heavenly Father, I pray in these next few moments of time... That you would speak to us from your heart. That, God, we would hear from heaven exactly what we need from you. That, Lord, we would live in the new. That, God, we would walk in the new creation that you have established for us. That we would experience the new life that you have given us. That, Lord, we would encounter everything that you have through your word, through your Holy Spirit, in the new for us to receive. I pray that as your anointing flows in this place, that God, I would preach your words and your words alone, and that you would speak to each one of us exactly what we need to hear from heaven. I pray that even throughout the preaching of the word this morning, that you would heal sick bodies, that, Lord, you would restore those who have been uh, down and out, that, God, who have been exhausted, who have been tired and weary, that you would refresh their hearts this morning, their minds, give them peace. I pray those that are, uh, Lord, battling addictions this morning that you would break off every single chain in the name of Jesus. Lord, those that are in desperate need of revelation from you, of wisdom from you, on direction from you, that, God, you would speak and that you would move in this place this morning, that we would encounter and we would receive everything you have from us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 15, when I when I read that verse, the page just, the words just jumped off the page. It just came alive in such a powerful way because the Holy Spirit started talking to me about the importance of us living for or living in the new. You know, a lot of our, a lot of our life, a lot of things that we deal with, a lot of things that we struggle with in our life is the battle between the new creation that Jesus has established in us and the old creation, who we used to be before we met Christ. There's a powerful thing that happens when we say yes to Jesus. The moment that we say yes to Jesus, I, I, love, I love what Peter said on the day of Pentecost when the church really became, began, when it really started and, and uh, became what God had intended to be. When everyone heard the message that Peter had preached and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, that the people, were, it says they were cut to the heart. And they said, what must we do to be saved? And he said, repent and be baptized. There's something powerful that happens when we repent, when we're baptized, and we begin walking out that new relationship with Jesus Christ. It's something that we've never had before, but that we suddenly have now. And what happens is, is when we begin that journey with the Lord, we start out experiencing the new things that He has for us. The old has passed away, the new has come. We're going to read that verse here in just a moment and, and, and dive into that even more. But what Paul is stressing to the Galatian church is what he said. One of my favorite verses besides John 10.10 10 is Galatians chapter 3, verse number 3. Are you so foolish, having begun by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? And I thought, man, isn't that just like us? We get saved. We have this glorious encounter in the presence of God. We have this amazing church service or this amazing prayer time at home or wherever we're at. And the presence of Jesus is just so thick and it's so strong. And we just feel like we can knock every giant down with one swing of a slingshot and one stone in it, and we can speak to every wall, and it's going to fall on every mountain, it's going to move. And then the first time we find ourselves in a struggle, the first times we find ourselves in a battle or a fight, and we don't feel that anything's happening or anything's changing or anything's moving, we begin to question, we begin to second guess, and we begin to doubt, and we immediately begin to revert back to how we used to be. And I really, I really believe that the Galatian church, through those that were, preaching, uh, that were preaching against what the gospel had come to establish, what happened in their life is they were missing out on the importance of living by the Spirit. We talked about living led by the Spirit last week, being led by the Spirit in our everyday lives. But when it comes to that, we have to understand that living in the new, living for the new, changes who we are. Tell your neighbor, you're brand new. new. When we realize the impact that heaven has had on our lives, we see the difference that begins to take place in how we live, how we walk, how we talk, how we think, how we process, how we handle the situations in our life. Paul uses such large letters at the end of his letter to the Galatian church to remind them, you are a new creation. Tell your neighbor, stop living for the old. Start living for the new. Now, I knew when I said old, there were going to be some who are older who are going to think, hold on a second. So for all of my wiser saints that are in the room this morning or that are watching online, you're closer now to the new than you've ever been. You're closer now to the new than you've ever been. So rejoice, amen, and celebrate. Because you are living for the new. I'm not living for today. I'm not living for yesterday. I'm not living for tomorrow in terms of this earth. I'm living for eternity with the King of Kings. Every single day, no matter how old you are, you're closer to experiencing the new that Jesus is talking about. I want to share with you three things this morning that we can live for the new. That we can experience what Paul said that counts, that matters which is the new creation? Are you ready this morning? If you're taking notes, or you're taking notes on the app, we've got uh, we've got this morning's uh, fill in the blanks for you. Number one is this: realize you are His new creation. When we understand that we're made in the image of God, it helps us understand why we like new things so much. You know, I think there's things in our life that we 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 try to we try to write off, we try to push away. And, and what happens in that moment is we, we oftentimes deprive ourselves of some of the things that God loves, that God enjoys, that God appreciates, like humor. If you don't laugh, you're missing out on one of the things. I can't wait. I cannot wait. I think there are some people that are going to be so shocked when they get to heaven and God cracks a joke. He's funny. You ever met somebody that's just funny? They just can roll one right after the next, just make you laugh, keep you laughing the whole time they're there. That's an attribute. That's a nature of God. They didn't just come up with that on their own. It's a gift. it's It's a reflection of who He is in their life. Why? Because we're made in His image. God intended you to laugh. He intended you to have joy. In fact, He even reminded us in the Word, the joy of the Lord is your And so we wonder sometimes why we're so miserable, why we're so depressed, why we're so down, why we're so out, why we're so weird, why we're so tired. And some of us can't remember the last time we laughed. You're made in the image of God. I can't laugh. My life is too hectic. It's too crazy. It's too heavy. It's too much. Then do what Jesus said. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest for your souls. If it's too heavy, if it's too much, if it's too hard, get alone with the king and let him lift that junk off of you and give you his yoke, give you his burden, because he said it's easy and it's light, so that even when all the attacks and the attempts of the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy are against you, you can still still laugh and you can still rest in the joy of the Lord because you know who's already won. Tell your neighbor I'm more than a conqueror. You sound like one. Tell your neighbor I'm more than a conqueror. All right. I'm going to believe you before this day's over, I promise. We have to realize that we are his new creation. God loves new just as much as you do. And the thing is, is the reason that God has established that is because what happened is, is when He created you, when He created me, He created us so that we could have fellowship, relationship with Him. We were created in the image of God and we were given the the opportunity to experience the new of what he had established. Because of sin, there was a separation. And what Jesus did when he came and he died on the cross and he rose from the dead, he filled the gap with the blood that he shed so that you and I could have relationship with him. What he did in that moment was he crucified the old and he gave life to the new. And the thing that happens in our life is so many times we get overwhelmed and we get overburdened with the condemnation and the guilt and the shame of our past or of our current mistakes or our failures, and we let it drive us away from who we were created to be. You were created new. You are the new creation of heaven. We are the new creation of heaven so that we can experience the presence of God so that we can walk in the promises and the plans that He has for our lives. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verses 16 through 21 says, "So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Tell your neighbor, I'm brand new. <laughs> the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ. Not counting people's sins against them. The righteousness of God is made possible in our life because of the sacrifice of Christ. When we say yes to Jesus, the old is gone, the new is here. The problem that we have today in the church is that oftentimes we forget that we are the new creation. And we live so much in the old. When it's new, you don't live in the old. Have you ever had something that you bought new that you've had to replace Something that was old, but you missed the old even though you had the new? You ever been there? You know, it's amazing. Some of the things that we love, we love so much. You know, it's we we get, um, there are some things that we just grow attached to. You know, I I think for a lot of guys, we have that one chair. (laughs) That, you know, everyone else in our family wants us to get rid of, but we just keep bringing it back into the living room. I have, a, I have a recliner in my house. I bought it used for 50 bucks. That's a deal. It was new to me. I was living on a youth pastor's salary, and I had prayed for a chair. And there was someone in our church that was selling a chair. They were moving, and they were, they were trying to get rid of some things. And so they were selling this leather, old, lazy boy, worn-out recliner at the spot where somebody's head had been. And I said, well, I want to check out that chair. So I went and sat down in it, and it was just like God had answered my prayers. And so I bought that chair for 50 bucks. I said, won't he do it? And I grabbed that chair and put it in my living room. And every time I kick the feet up on that, it's just, I'm there. And my sister, when they, had moved, when they moved to Camden a couple years ago, she came in and she said, why do you still have this recliner in this living room? And she was like, you bought a new chair. And I said, but it doesn't sit right. It, it's, not, it's not right. I want, my, I want my chair. And so sure enough, I'll move it out, and then after a little while I'm tired of having to drag the other one in. If I'm going to watch a movie and I'm going to be sitting there for any amount of time, and so I just decided I'll move the new one out and move the old one. So in my living room is the old one, and I have a blanket that I just put over the worn spots. You know, somebody comes in, and it's, it's creative. It's a blanket. You don't know. It just looks like it's supposed to be there. You know what I'm talking about? You get attached to things, and you don't want to let go of them. And the same is true in our lives. Oftentimes when it comes to living, we talked about living spirit-led last week, when it comes to being the new creation that God has called us to be and walking that out with the Lord, a lot of times it's the same way. We have attachments to things that hold us back from living in the new of what God has for us. If we would just take the time to invest a little bit longer, we might find out that the new has a whole lot more to offer than the old. Am I, am I preaching? Am I helping anybody this morning sharing this? Because what happens is, is, if we become so attached to what was before, we'll never let go long enough to experience the new of what God has for us. The Israelites had the same issue when God delivered them out of slavery in Egypt and was trying to take them to the promised land. They had lived so long as slaves, they didn't know how to be free. And sometimes we get so used to the old that we can't live for the new. We can't live in the new and what God has for us because we have been for so long in a pattern. We've been for so long in a place where we have been overwhelmed by the, the, the attachments that we have instead of trusting the Lord. Because what happens when you let go of that is you have to hold on to Jesus. Because it's in that that we realize we are his new creation. It's why stepping out in faith or living a spirit-led life is such a challenge. When, when, when Jesus called out to Peter and told him to come to him, and Peter, I love that Peter was the one that said, well, if it's really you, tell me to step out of the boat and walk on water. Because Peter knew what Jesus was capable of. He knew what he was capable of. But it's amazing that even when we know what God's capable of, when it it comes time for us to step out, we have that initial drawback because we say, I've never done this before. Why? Because it's new. And when you do something new, when you do something for the first time, you're leaving what's always comfortable, what's always convenient, what's always been there in order to experience something that's new. I love doing something new. I love doing something uh, for the first time, experiencing something um, for the first time because you honestly have all of your you you have all of your preconceived ideas of what it's going to be and you base it on what Google says and what people say and what Google says and what pictures say and what Google says and um, we draw up our own conclusion but but the truth is is there's nothing like experiencing it for yourself and so when when it comes to it's the same way when it comes to our walk when it comes to our relationship with the Lord because in that it opens the door for us to experience things with God like never before but we have to have the realization that we are his new creation when you were baptized in Jesus Christ when you said yes to the Lord and began that journey and that walk with him you were introduced into eternal life this physical body will die but you'll live forever And when when we have the realization, and I pray all the time, God, give us the realization that we live. It's why Paul said what he said. For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Why? Because even if I'm on this earth, I have Jesus. But if I die, I inherit the promise of eternal life. Because we are his new creation. We've been created in Christ. We have been given a place. We've been given a name. We've been given a hope and a future. Revelation chapter 21 verses 5 through 6 says, He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. It reminds me of what Jesus said to the woman at the well. The water that I have to give, you'll never thirst again. Why? Because when we say yes to Jesus, we become His new creation. We have from heaven this hope. We have from heaven this peace. We have from heaven this joy. We have from heaven this this confidence. Why? It's not of ourselves, but it's from the salvation that we have received and the new creation that we have become. I think that there are many of us in the church today that have yet to discover who we are because we haven't let go of some of the things from our past. Secondly, this morning, release the past and live in the new. Tell your neighbor, let it go. Let it go. go. Did you know Frozen's coming out with another movie this fall? I'm so excited. I hope Olaf's in there even more than he was in the first one. You know, I... Everybody laughs at me when I talk about Frozen, the kids' movie. You've heard it. You've seen it. You heard them sing Let It Go. They were singing it on the news. Good Morning America was having it. It was, it was everywhere. It was all over the place. And, you know, the, 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 the power of that song is true for us as believers because there's a lot of things we need to let go of in the church, in our lives, things that we need to let go of in our past because what, what, if we're not careful, we'll hold on to things that will keep us from walking into what God has for us. Because we get too used to our recliner, and we don't want to step into the new of what God... I'm going to get there in a second. But, you know, this song, I love the song. My, my fascination with the, the movie Frozen, with the song Let It Go, and with Olaf, the greatest snowman that ever was, is um, I, was, I was at home for Thanksgiving when the first movie came out. And uh, my mom's brother, my Uncle Todd, and, and Aunt Julia asked my sister and I if we would go to the movies with their family. And I said, Well, yeah, what movie are you going to see? And he said, Frozen. I said, What is that? He said, It's a Disney movie. And I was like, Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I want, <laughs> I want to go to the movies <laughs> and watch a cartoon. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds great. You know, it's one of those moments where you crucify the flesh and you do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. You spend time with your family. So you're going to, you know, if you love people, you do things that you don't always want to do. If, listen, if you understand the love of God and the agape love of God, it's about sacrificing. If love is all about you, that ain't love. You're just loving yourself. And you're missing out on the joys and the benefits of what happens when you sacrifice for someone else. Love is unconditional. Jesus died on the cross because he loved. That's love. When you lay your life down for someone. It's not always easy and it's not always fun, but it's why we serve one another in Christ. Why? Because it's out of love. We serve out of love. Love. Anyway, so I went to this movie, Out of Love, for my family. And so, you know, when you go in and you don't have high expectations for something, this, I'll, I'll tell you, this is, the, this is the reason why I fell in love with that movie and why I oftentimes reference it so much. It's because I went into that movie thinking, this is going to be the, mix, the most boring hour and 40 minutes of my life. And that's that's why I went in there. I thought, I'm not a kid. This is not for me. I don't want to watch this. So I thought, I'll just eat my popcorn and drink my Diet Coke, and I'll watch my cousins, my younger cousin, uh, laugh, and he'll have a good time, and that'll that'll be the fun of it. And so when I got in there and we started watching that movie, of course, you can't go in a movie theater and not watch the screen. It's just there. Every chair is facing that way. Some of y'all are like, yeah, that's me in church this morning. You're just there. Here I am. I can't... I can't look any other way, so I'm sorry, and, uh, and so Jesus Jesus is so cool in how he does things in our life, because I'm sitting there in that movie theater, and I'm watching this TV, and here comes the coolest snowman I've ever seen, Olaf, and I'm telling you, I haven't laughed, I don't know when the last time it was that I laughed as hard as I did watching him on that screen. One of my favorite parts is when he gets, how many of you have seen the movie Frozen? Don't lie in church, Jesus is going to get you. I know some of y'all got grandkids. Yeah, amen, that's right, a lot of you. Mm -hmm. Listen, some of y'all need to go home and watch Frozen this afternoon to change your life. You'll laugh, Olaf. You remember the part where he gets impaled by the icicle, and he goes, "Oh look, I've been impaled!" And he taps it with his little stick fingers. I laughed so hard when he did. I just was, I was, there was no, I wasn't expecting that. And you know, it, the the same the same thing in our life happens when we live in the new and we let go of placing expectations based on what we think it's going to be, and we just trust the Lord and we go with Him. Because the truth is, is while we don't know what to expect, while we we think we know, but we really don't know, when we let go of what our past experiences may have been, or what other people's experiences may have been, and we go with an open heart and an open mind, we really position ourselves to experience something that we may not have been expecting all along. I I mean, the, I can't wait. I'm ready to see how much Olaf's going to be in the next Frozen movie, like... I, can't, I, I hope to get to take Titus, tell his mom and dad, listen, y'all stay home, have a date night. Titus and I are going to the movies, we're going to have fun. I'm not going for Titus, I'm going for myself and Olaf. It's the greatest thing ever. But you know, we have, we have, those, we have those moments where God reminds us of the joy of what it is to just simply, simply be, as he called us to be, a child and have childlike faith. And experience what the new... God has created us to live in the new. God's created us to live for the new. He created you to experience life and life more abundantly. And here's the deal. Life's hard, and life's tough, and there's going to be a lot of things that you're not going to deserve, that you're going to walk through. There's going to be a lot of trials that you're going to, that you're going to be up against. But remember what Jesus said in John 16, In this life you will face many troubles, you will face many trials, but take heart, I've overcome the world. He overcame the world. So listen, no matter what I face today, and no matter what I go through tomorrow, He's already won. I've already won. Why? Because I am a new creation, I am his new creation I belong to Christ and he already said if you go to the end of the book, if you read the end of the story he already defeated the enemy he's already triumphed over death, hell and the grave so I don't have to worry about tomorrow I don't have to worry about next week or five years or ten years from now I don't have to spend my nights tossing and turning in bed wondering how it's going to all happen, wondering how it's all going to become, I can let go of how I used to be, of how I used to worry of how I used to fret of how I used to Google <laughs> and trust the fact that he's in control trust the fact that I'm a new creation and let go of the past release the, tell your neighbor, release the past the problem that we have in the church today is we hold on to way too much junk tell your neighbor, don't hold grudges Being a youth pastor, the grudges that some teenagers would keep against other teenagers, it just, I just shook my head. I just thought, y'all have no idea. We, I have bills to pay. I don't have time for this. <laughs> the drama and the chaos and the hectic, I, this is, we're, 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 and, and And then I thought, well, you know, the older we get, and when you become an adult, it's not that way. And then I found out it is that way. We can hold a grudge better than kids and teenagers. We, we're good at it. <laughs> and, and what happens in our life is we live in this constant state of offense. And I talk about offense on a regular basis because it's one of the things that I believe has held the church back, especially in America, from walking in the supernatural things that God has called us to, such as seeing the lost saved, seeing the bound set free, seeing the sick healed, seeing the dead raised. That's the church. Amen. That's, that's who God has called. That is the new creation. Where there is the Spirit of the Lord, there is freedom. Where His glory and His presence is, there is healing, there is salvation, there is hope, there is deliverance. But what happens is, is we oftentimes can't walk in the supernatural things that God has for us because we won't let go of or release the past that's behind us. Here's the thing. Let me, let me illustrate it this way. The Israelites had been set free from slavery in Egypt, but they weren't living in the freedom that God had called them to. And what happens in America is we see all of these people that go to church every single Sunday, but they're not actually living in the freedom that God has called them to. I don't want to be a pastor. I don't want to be a church member. I don't want to be somebody who claims to be a follower of Jesus and all I'm doing is walking around in the wilderness complaining about how God ain't done nothing for me today, forgetting all the while what He did for me when He set me free from the bondage of sin, from the from the from the penalty of, of death, so that I could have new life in Him. So that all I could do is walk around. And compl- I don't want to live my life not walking in the supernatural blessings, benefits, and promises of heaven, I don't want to get a sentence to spend the rest of my life in a wilderness never experiencing the supernatural promises, blessings, and benefits of being and living in the new that God has called me to. All because I can't let go of what was in the past. All because I can't let go of my my sin. All because I can't let go of my condemnation. All because I can't let go of how it always used to be in my life and experience the new of what God has called me to as a child of God. Because what happens is this. Somebody says something to us, somebody does something to us, and we get offended. And what we don't realize is that in that offense, the enemy begins to work. And he begins to poison and he begins to stir. And what happens is not very long we're angry and we try to justify our anger and we become bitter and we try to justify our bitterness and we become resentful and we try to justify our resentfulness and we try to we try to make it into something that it's not when the reality is, is we have something that we wouldn't let go of because we were so determined that it was going to be one way but it hasn't happened the way that we thought it was. Because the deal is this, when you live spirit-led and you follow the Lord, Lord, he's going to take you in some places. He's going to take me in some places that it's not always going to make sense and it's not always going to add up and it's not always going to seem rational and it's not always going to seem normal and it's not always going to seem the right way. But if we'll trust him and release how it used to be, release the past, release ourselves from the past, release our past from our lives, stop trying to do it the rest of the way the world does it and just say Jesus, whatever it is, however you want to do it, wherever you want me to go, however you want me to serve, I'm here. I'm I'm yours. I'm all in. I'm going to trust you. and I'm going to follow you because it's the moment that we do that we discover something called peace and we discover something called joy. And we begin to see that walking by faith and being led by the spirit opens our lives up to experience this excitement and this anticipation that we didn't realize we had. We live in the new. We release the past. Forgive someone who has offended you and done you wrong. Jesus is, real clear about, Jesus is really clear about the importance of forgiveness. Jesus is real clear about releasing the past. It, listen, I challenge you this morning. If you're walking in offense, if you're walking in bitterness, let it go. Tell your neighbor, let it go. Let, it go. let go of that. Release that person who's done you wrong. Listen. My mom used to always tell it to me this way, two wrongs don't make a right. And somebody offends you and does you wrong, and then we want to turn around and be bitter and angry about it, all we're doing is robbing ourselves of the new, of the blessings and the benefits that God has for us as a child of God. I love this, Isaiah chapter 42, verses 8-9 through 9 says, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. See, the former things have taken place, and new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 through 20. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide... Water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen. The thing that happens oftentimes in our life as believers, and what I've noticed especially in the church in the United States, is that when God starts to do something new, we don't recognize it. And instead of running to Him and trusting Him with it, we run away and revert back to what we always did before. And what happens is, is because we see something new and we don't know how to address it, we don't know how to handle it, we don't know how to approach it, and we oftentimes deprive ourselves of the very life-giving source that Jesus wants to offer us because we're so focused on what was in our past and how, what, what someone did or how someone did us wrong or the wrongs that we've been suffered or the wrongs that we've had to endure that we miss out on living in the new. Am I, am I talking to anybody this morning? Because what happens is if the enemy can keep you in the desert, he can keep you from walking in the promised land. And if he can keep you from walking in the promised land, he can keep you from being powerful, effective in the world around you. The, the, Jesus has called us to be a light in the midst of darkness. He's called us to carry the hope of the world into the, into the lives of those around us with the love and the peace and the joy of God, but if we're not willing to release our past, if we're not willing to let go of our condemnation, of our guilt and of our shame, if we're not willing to let go of how, how we always did it before and step out and trust the Lord in faith, we will rob ourselves of ever experiencing the promised land. Because what happens is this, the more we live and, and rely on our past, the more we will rob ourselves of the new and of the promises and of the benefits that God has for us in our future. And there's no better illustration than that than the Israelites who died in the wilderness and never experienced the promised land. Three-week three week journey, they spent 40 years. God left them there until they died. And the thing about that that I find so fascinating is that the Lord does not make you and I live in or for the new. And I think that's something that that oftentimes we we get excited and as pastors, as preachers, we get excited and we're like, well, if you don't do it, da 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 da, you know, and we, we want to run off on this whole thing. But the truth is, is God gives you a choice. That's the beautiful thing about the kingdom of heaven. That's the beautiful thing about a relationship with Jesus, is that He doesn't force us, He doesn't make us. If you choose to follow Him, if I choose to say yes to Him, then yeah, there's going to be some things that He's going to challenge me to do, He's going to call me to do that my flesh isn't going to like, that I'm not always going to agree with, that I'm not always going to want to do. But if I'm willing to sacrifice those things, if I'm willing to give those things, if I'm willing to walk away from those things, then what will happen is I'll position myself to experience the promises and the blessings and the benefits of what He has to offer me. And if you look, it's a perfect. the Israelites are a perfect example of that. Because the things that God was trying to pull out of them, they weren't willing to let go of. And so what happened is, is they just kept on. So God told Moses to send the 12 spies in. Ten of them came out and said, we can't. Two of them said, yes, we can. And the ten said, they're too big, they're too strong, they're too great. We'll never win, we'll never overcome, we'll never conquer. And what happened? God said, well, if if that's the case, if that's where it is. Of course, the Lord was frustrated with him. He said, that's fine. This generation will never enter into the promised land. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be the generation that doesn't enter into the promised land. I want to be the generation that walks into the promised land, that knocks down every giant, that circles every wall, that sings every song, that praises every praise, that says every word that needs to be said and does everything that Jesus wants us to do so that we can see the walls come down, the giants fall, and the promises of God be fulfilled in the lives of his people, of his church, and of this nation. I don't care what the news says. I don't care what the doctor's report says. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what everybody's saying. I don't care how everybody feels. I want to know what Jesus says and what Jesus' plan is, and I want to be obedient in that, and I'm going to trust him no matter what because I know that he's a healer. I know that he's a redeemer. I know that he's a conqueror. I know there's not a giant big enough, and there's not a valley deep enough, and there's not a wall tall enough, and there's not a city strong enough, and there's not a nation great enough. There is nothing and there is no one that is greater than my God. And if I'll be obedient and trust him and follow his lead, then I will see victory every single time. But I've got to be willing to release the past and live in the new of what God's established for my life, being who he's created me to be. All right. Thirdly, this morning, I want to to do our best to, to finish up. Receive the new promise. Receive the new promise. Tell your neighbor, I've got a promise. You know, I love that. Uh, one of the ways the Lord spoke to my heart was receive the brand new promise. I-, I love that the the Lord reminds us of the promise that we have of eternal life, the promise that we have of relationship with Him. John, um, let's put up. Let's put up Matthew twenty five forty six. Brother Randy, it's it's one of the last ones that's up there this morning. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His glorious throne. Catch this. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on His right and the goats on His left. Tell your neighbor, I want to be a sheep. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Listen, the promise has been since the creation of the world. From the very beginning, God had established a promise for us. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. I don't want to be on his left, I want to be on his right. Everybody on the right side of the church is saying hallelujah. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty. You in the middle. It just splits right down. So No, all right. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick and in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to the eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. The righteous to eternal life. If you go back to, to 2, Corinthians chapter five, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that I read to you earlier, you'll see at the, very, at the very last part of that, it says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It's through Christ. Jesus puts it another way. He said, though he'll, he'll, he'll make the statement on that day, away from me those he'll, he'll say, uh, I never knew you. Away from me those who I did not. Why? Because there's something that happens when we know who He is. In verse 21 of Second Corinthians chapter five, reconciliation through what Jesus did for us, a new creation have become the righteousness of God. Because here's the thing: on the journey that we take with the Lord, and when we live in the new, when we live for the new. What happens in our life is we position ourselves to be the hands and feet of Jesus wherever that is. You know, I shared last week about living spirit-led and coming to Camden, Arkansas. If you'd have told me at eight and a half when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit and God called me to preach the word, living in Fort Wayne, Indiana, that I would be, you know, 28 and pastoring in southern Arkansas in a city called Camden, I would have told you, probably not. Why? Because we, we hear what Jesus says to us, and a lot of times we draw up in our mind what we think that's going to be, and then when it doesn't match, we get frustrated with the Lord. And the Lord says, if, you, if, you'll just, if you'll settle down and just enjoy today and stop worrying about tomorrow, and you'll just focus on it being about me and you, and nobody else, and nothing else but me and you, and you just follow me every single day, I'll lead you into every promise, into every plan that I have for you, and the plans and the promises that I have for you, there's nothing in this world that can even begin to compare. Because what happens is, is if we haven't released the old, we begin comparing where we're at today with who we used to be, or with those who are around us, Paul addresses comparison in in the first part of chapter 6 and multiple times throughout Galatians. But he he warns us of the problem of comparing ourselves with those around us because if we're not careful, we will rob ourselves of living in the new that God has established for us. You are a new creation in Christ. The creation that you are is not the creation that's sitting next to you, down the road from you, in front of you, or behind you. You are uniquely created, fashioned, formed in in the plans of God. And He has a purpose and a destiny for your life. And what happens is this, is when we realize that we are His new creation, we release the past and we live in the new as we receive the new promise that God has established. Which is what? For those of us who were not His chosen people, for those of us who were not a part of the Abraham covenant that God had made with Abraham, of that that Jewish covenant, Jesus died on the cross so that we might be saved so that all nations on earth might be blessed, so that we could be adopted in as sons of God, so that we could inherit the promise of eternal life. In order to receive the new promise, though, we have to release the past. We have to let go of what was. And we have to realize that we are his new creation. You're brand new. Fresh, clean slate, brand new. There's nobody like you. There's nobody that's been like you. Sure, you've got similarities and traits from your family and and from the people that you hang out with, and and you pick up on those things, but the reality is is there's no one like you on the earth. Don't try to be like somebody else. Don't try to do it like somebody else. I think one of the biggest problems that we have, uh, and I I talk about the church a lot because, uh, you know, Jesus was real clear about getting the log out of our own eye before we talk about the speck in someone else's. (coughs) Amen? Well, why you got to talk like that, Pastor? Well, I'm just trying to make sure that we're staying on, on, on cue. You know, because when, when I talk about the church, it starts with us. We are the hope of the world. We've got something else, We've got something that nobody and nothing else on the face of the planet has. And it's Jesus. And with him, everything is possible. Whatever you need, he can do it. But the thing is, is more than anything, he just wants you. You were created, I was created for His glory. We were created to have fellowship with Him. Here's the thing, being His new creation, releasing the past, stepping in and walking hand in hand with Him, we position ourselves to receive everything that the promise has for us. If you're Jesus' best friend, you can't help but be blessed. Amen? Amen. If you're His best friend, you can't help but be blessed. I'm I'm thankful for some of the friends that I have. I'm thankful for some of the benefits that I have. You know, it's amazing when you have a, a best friend, when you have someone in your life that loves you, because they'll just do anything in the world for you. They'll, they'll just, you know, you, you, have, you have somebody where, in whatever sphere or place or area of life they're in. You have, they treat you the same. If they love you unconditionally like Jesus, they treat you the same. You have those benefits. You have those blessings. The same is true with God, but how much more with Him and what He has to offer? you're you're his best you have access to the throne room of heaven because he loves you you have healing because he loves you you have you have freedom because he loves you you have and i think what happens a lot of times is we get so caught up in we get so caught up in chasing after the needs or the miracles that we need in our life that we forget to just simply be the new creation he called us to be and we get so caught up on the giants that are in front of us and the, the valleys that we're walking through and the storms that we're in, that we forget, like David said in Psalm 23, that he prepares a table before us. Think about that. In the middle of a fight, in the middle of a battle, all God wants to do is just sit down and eat with you. You know why? He ain't worried about losing. And we live so much of our life worried about losing the battles that we're in and worried about how we're going to come out on the other side. And all the while, Jesus is saying, if you'll just sit down here with me, I just want to tell you how much I love you. If you'll just sit here with me, I just want to remind you of how incredible I think you are. I want to remind you of what I've created you to do and who I've created you to be. And what more refreshing in the chaos and the, and the storms and the uncertainty of life than to be reminded that the creator of heaven and earth, the sovereign God, King of kings, Lord of lords, just wants to sit down with you and I and just wants to pour his love out on us. I just want to be with him. And what happens is, is when I'm with him, I can't help but be blessed.